How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now let's get started. Welcome back to Life's Key 3. I'm so delighted that you are with me today. We are wrapping up our study in the book of Ruth today. This short book wedged in between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel has only four chapters, but it is a marvelous story. And there are so many insights that we can take from this and apply in our own lives. Hey, before we dive in, if you are not already a follower on Instagram or Facebook, I invite you to come and join me over on those social media platforms. You can find me at Stephanie Smith Presents on both Facebook and Instagram. And even though I'm personally not a big fan of the word follower, I'd really prefer to have the word be changed because to me, it's not like I'm leading and everybody else is following. It's more about coming together and having companions on this journey through life. So if you're not already a companion with me on the social media platforms, again, I invite you to come find me on Facebook or Instagram at Stephanie Smith Presents. And you can find links to those social media platforms on my website, stephaniepresents.com. All right, let's dive in and wrap up our study in the book of Ruth. Today, we are looking at chapter four. When we left off last time, Boaz had just been proposed to by Ruth with her mother-in-law, Naomi, playing the role of matchmaker. Now, this wasn't just Naomi being a busybody and being fun and just trying to set up this cute couple. This was Naomi looking out for Ruth's future. Ruth had so many strikes against her. She was a widow. She was a foreigner. She lived in a nation where foreigners weren't just like, oh, that's okay, you know, because we're the land of immigrants. No, no, no. It was like, what are you doing here? As a matter of fact, we have a long history of foreigners that God has told us to keep our distance from. She's also impoverished. She's poor. She doesn't have anything really going for her except, and this is so important, what she has is her character and her integrity. The book of Proverbs tells us that a good name is to be chosen more than silver or gold. We read stories on a regular basis of people in business, in politics, in church, in every sphere of life who have sold out their good name for sex, money, or power. I mean, it typically just comes down to one of those three things. Ruth is a person who places a high value on her integrity, and she's done the work to develop her character. Nobody drifts into good character. Nobody. The development of good character and integrity only happens as a result of intentionality. It begins, hopefully, with parents who are intentional about developing their children's character 
which is an entirely different approach than expecting good character. But parents who take on the responsibility to say, I have to form this person's character, not just I'm going to expect a good character and then I'm going to be irritated and frustrated when it doesn't show up. Good character never shows up by default. It only shows up as a result of intentional development. The three main characters in this book, Boaz, Naomi, and Ruth, are all people who have done the work to develop their character. And we see this in so many different ways. So after about two months of very hard physical labor working in the barley and wheat harvest, Ruth is counseled by Naomi basically to go propose to Boaz. You know, proposals have taken on these mammoth proportions here in the United States. The expectation is that somebody is supposed to invest a lot of money, a lot of planning, a lot of thought. It's supposed to be this major event. And oftentimes it's done in a very public fashion. And I will tell you, those are really risky because when somebody says, yes, it's awesome, (laughs) we've probably all seen some of those times when the response was not yes. And then it's like a collective gasp and everyone who's a witness to this just wants to melt into the floor. So Naomi does not send Ruth off to propose in a public way. It's a very personal, private, respectful process. And if you are having a little bit of a hard time with this, thinking, okay, wait, 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 Ruth proposed to Boaz? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Boaz says yes, but he explains, okay, before I can absolutely make, make this a promise to you, there's somebody else who has the right to acquire you and your, and your property before me. Now, we hear that today, and that can just make our collective blood boil as women because at the face of it, it can sound like women here were just being treated as property. And certainly we have seen that, and we continue to see that around the world. Historically, it is just factual that women have been objectified and treated like property a thousand times more than that has happened to men throughout all of human history. We cannot run from the reality of that. But when we look at this entire system, this was not God saying, hey, women are to be treated like property. No, 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 no. It was a way to provide an economic security, actually, for women and to provide them with love, with the opportunity to have children, to have a home, to have a family. And it required responsibility on the part of the men. They were not able to just say, oh, I'm just going to have this whole harem of women and I don't have any responsibility to them. This was to be taken as a very serious step, and it meant that he was going to make a commitment to provide for her. This did not just mean economically. This meant that he would provide for her in the biggest sense of the word, not just this small little sense of, I just have to make sure that you have food, clothing, and shelter. It went far beyond that. 
So when Boaz approaches this other man who who has the right first to say, hey, I would like to buy the field that Naomi is selling, and because of Ruth's connection to that, I would like to marry Ruth. At first he says, yes, I want the field, but then when he finds out that part of that deal is going to be taking Ruth as a wife, he says, no, I don't want to do that. We don't know exactly why he says, no, I can't do that. There's a lot of speculation. Was it because Ruth was a foreigner and he did not want to have a foreign wife? Maybe. Was it because he did not have the economic means to both buy the field and to make sure that he would be able then to have enough money to take care of a wife and whatever children that they might have? That's another possibility. There could be other possibilities we don't know anything about. But he says no. There's no indication, however, that he says no as a way that is demeaning to Ruth. So this leaves the door open for Boaz, and Boaz goes through the entire process to make certain that this business has been conducted appropriately. There are the correct number of witnesses to be able to validate that everything was done out in the open, honestly, with integrity. There was no deceit, no manipulation. That's just a good principle for us, that whenever we are conducting business that is significant, whether it's economic or it's personal, we need to make certain that we do that in such a way that there are witnesses to that, whether they are physically present, like in this case with uh, Boaz, or whether they are virtually present in the way of attesting with signatures and uh, the different ways that we have in order to do that today, so that no one can ever come back and say, you were being deceitful, you were being dishonest, you were being manipulative. Again, Boaz shows through this, and he is a man who goes above and beyond. He wants to make sure that everything is done not just so that it's minimally, viably acceptable, but he wants to make sure that he conducts his life in a way that is so open, that is so transparent, that is so above reproach, that there is no question about his motive, his intent, his honor, or his integrity. We need to live like that as well. He doesn't just expect or demand that people trust him, because he says he's a man of honor or integrity, he expects himself to live in such a way that people would naturally arrive at that conclusion. One is a burden that I put on you. The other is a burden and responsibility that I assume for myself. When Boaz agrees to buy this field and to marry Ruth, he is really saying any children that we have are going to count in the line of Ruth's deceased husband. So even though the Bible identifies Boaz as the father of the son that he and Ruth have of Obed, in terms of land rights, in terms of recognition, he is forfeiting, in a sense, his own place and giving it to a dead man. Again, we see here someone who is incredibly generous of heart and of spirit. He recognizes that even though Ruth's husband, Naomi's husband, and her other son are all deceased, 
there is something valuable about honoring the life of each individual, not just that are currently living, but that have come before. And to honor the impact and the connection that each of us have with other people in our lives. Why does Boaz marry Ruth? We have to believe that there were other women who were eligible and who would love to have become his wife. So why does he pick her? This woman has so much going against her. Again, she's a foreigner. This isn't as significant to us in the United States because we are, after all, a nation founded by immigrants. But in those times, and especially in the nation of Israel that had been clearly commanded by God to be so set apart, to not participate in the beliefs and the activities of the nations around them, there wasn't just a cultural bias against foreigners. There was a very real legitimate concern about how can I honor God and take this person who is a, from a foreign nation that does not know God, does not practice God, does not follow God's laws, how can I honor my commitment to God by marrying this person? But here's what's so important. Character trumps everything. It trumps a person's economic status. It trumps a person's racial, ethnic background. It trumps everything. She had earned the respect of people in that village of Bethlehem because of how she had conducted herself with Naomi. There was no question about her character because it wasn't the result of easy circumstances. If you want to know what a person's really like, look to see how they conduct themselves when life does not treat them fair. Look to see how they show up when things are hard, when they are in a situation they didn't ask for, they didn't create, they don't understand. That's when you want to look and see what does a person's character say in those times? Is this a person who's willing to confront and deal with the reality that they have, get out there, engage in the work that they need to do to take responsibility for themselves? Or is this a person who just wants to sit around and whine and complain about how unfair everything is? Or do they want to say, I'm going to pick up whatever I can in order to be responsible with my life? There's an expression that I've heard, competency may get you through the door, but character is what will keep you there. We want to become people of skills, and we want to raise our children to be skilled, to be prepared to go into the workforce or education or whatever it is that they need to do in order to assume responsibility for their lives as they become an adult. But character trumps all of that. But character isn't something that happened that we see in Ruth because we just, she just walked around saying, oh, look what great character I have. We see her character in the actions that she takes every day and in the way that she treat, treats Naomi as well as those around her. So. Ruth and Boaz get married. They have a son. Naomi's friends are the ones who come up with his name, Obed. Now, I don't know whether it was just a, some for some reason that the women were the ones who named the kids, although that would 
typically not be customary, I don't think, in that culture. Or they're the, the ones who propose the name, and then Boaz and Naomi and whoever say, okay, yeah, that sounds great. We'll go with that. You know, this seems like a small detail about when we close out this book with Naomi, but I think it's fascinating. This book begins with Naomi's story. So even though the book has the title of Ruth, and she's definitely the main character, Naomi is not some big character in the background. She is of enormous influence and impact in this entire situation. And I think it's so appropriate that this book closes with her because her friends gather around her and they affirm to her, Naomi, look how God has blessed you. Your daughter-in-law who loves you more than several sons is now married. She has a secure future and she has given you a grandson. So again, even though this isn't Naomi's biological grandson, it is the grandson of her heart, and she accepts him and treats him as such. She becomes his nurse. She becomes his caretaker. Ruth continues to invite her into that circle. It's not a matter that Ruth and Boaz get married, and then it's like, okay, well, Naomi, you know, goodbye to you. It's not even a matter that after Ruth becomes a mother, it's like, okay, well, goodbye, mother-in-law. She is still a welcome, integral part of the life of Ruth and Boaz and their little son, Obed. So as we close out this book, I want to focus on a characteristic of Naomi that we can see here in this story. We saw this in the very beginning of the book, and we close out with this, and I want to draw attention to it. Naomi had a circle of friends. That is no small thing. Naomi was not a loner. She didn't live isolated. Even when she came back to her hometown, now a widow, now having buried her two sons in a foreign land, now returning with one foreign daughter-in-law, now in a place of poverty, she still cultivates Friendships. If there is one thing that I have learned in my life, it is the incredible value of good friendships and friendships that endure over time. And in order to have those, you have to make those a priority and to invest in those. Just like good character does not happen by default, it only is cultivated through intentionality. So good friendships never happen by default. They take care. They take nurturing. They have to be valued and prioritized. And we can deduce by how this book closes out, Naomi was a woman who had invested in and valued creating friendships with other women. Don't ever underestimate the value of friendships. We so much need those, even when it's hard, no matter what life season that you're in. It's not just young moms with kids who need friends, women of every season, women of every economic standing, women of every marital status, whether they are moms or not, grandmothers or not, women need friends. So I encourage you today, if you're a woman listening, 
Be intentional about cultivating friendships in your life. Don't sit back and wait for them to come. Be like Naomi and Ruth. Be people of initiative. Be a person who reaches out. And I understand that that might happen over and over and over again. And I understand what it is to invest in friendships for a long period of time and then people move, lives change, somebody betrays you. I know those things happen. I've experienced all of those. But I also know this. It is so worth continuing to make those investments no matter what season of life that you're in. All right, my friend. Well, that wraps up the book of Ruth. I hope that you have enjoyed this study. Again, if, you, if you're not already, uh, come join me over on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me over there at Stephanie Smith Presents. You can also find links to those social media platforms on my website, stephaniepresents.com, where I hope that you will come and sign up for highlights. I think that is a newsletter that you will be very encouraged by every week when it shows up in your inbox. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And until next time, remember this truth. You have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.